Hello, and welcome to the Sonic Cinema Podcast. My name is Brian Scuttle, and thank you for joining us at www.sonic-cinema.com. Over the past 10 years, I've gotten a lot of emails from filmmakers who have wanted me to watch their movies and then give them reviews. Uh, it's something that I've come to embrace over the past several years. It's something that's really add a lot to my experiences as a moviegoer and as an individual as well. A lot of these movies are uh, movies that I would consider favorites. Uh, some of my favorite films of all time, maybe even some of my best. Uh, and they start off slow about movie, an email here or there from filmmakers from 2006 to 2008. In 2009, though, they basically can started a pretty regular clip and have and it's been going that way ever since one of the filmmakers that i got an email from in 2009 was princeton holt who's a director and producer out of new york and one way or another productions and he has produced with a his ring directing partner, Brian Ackley, a science fiction drama called Alien Aid, which is currently enjoying limited theatrical release in preparation for a video-on-demand release this coming week on March 31st. I took the time this afternoon to talk to Brian and Princeton, and this is the first of what I hope will be many other interviews with filmmakers like them who have asked me to review their movies over the years uh, for the podcast. And so I hope you enjoy. I'm, I'm joined today by uh, writer-director Brian Ackley and producer Princeton Holt. Uh, they're responsible for a film called Alien Aid, which is getting a uh, limited theatrical release al alongside a VOD release. Uh, thank you very much for joining me, guys. Thank you, Brian. I'm really glad to be a part of this conversation. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for having us. Okay, so the first question I really had to have, uh, wanted to have for you guys is, how did YouTube meet, and uh, how do you start working together? Uh, that's the same. The same. We have the same answer for both of those questions because we met for a project. Uh, um, we had a mutual friend. Um, named Roy. He was a cinematographer, and I went to I went to Brooklyn College with him. And, and Princeton, of course, fill in any of the any of these gaps. But in a nutshell, basically, Princeton was looking to um, uh, was looking at a certain camera. So you look in a film, uh, a short film with a particular camera, and Roy had worked with that same camera on the film that I did with Roy. And so he showed him uh, he showed him that film to, to see what the see the look of it, you know, see what it looked like. Um, and then Princeton ended up liking the film itself. Uh, and <laughs> no, no, you're right. No, you, you got it. Uh, I did. I, I just, I was like, wait a minute. I'm sucked up into the movie. I wasn't even looking at the camera anymore. <laughs> and then I saw Brian. Uh, Brian directed it, wrote it, directed it, and um, he started it. And it just so happens I was making a short film, my first short. Um, at that time, and I was looking for an actor, and I was blown away by his performance in that in that film. Uh, and and uh, I asked Roy, um, I said, "Yes, I love the camera. I like the sound setup. It sounds good, and all that." Uh, but Brian's 
but Brian, he, he acts. I mean, does he, he directed this. I don't know if he would act in, I'm looking for an actor. I don't know if he would act in, and he's in somebody else's movie. And he goes, no, no, he acts as well. <laughs> so he put me in touch with Brian. And Brian and I met, uh, showed the script. And from that, you know, I cast him in a, in a short film called Fish. Uh, and from that day forward, we just collaborated on, on both levels. Yeah, we just started having some great conversations after after that, and then that yeah that eventually when your feature came up, Princeton, that's when uh, you know I, I I was thrilled that you that you were considering me, um, mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, that's how we got we got connected. All right, and uh, so when you guys started up on uh, one way or another productions, uh, when when exactly was that? Well, the company was, uh, the company had been in existence, uh, for a long time, uh, years and years. Let's say probably before, probably about four or five years before Brian and I met. And, um, well, I'd say really more about four years before Brian and I met. Um, and it wasn't, you know, it was just an emblem. You know, it was just, it was just an emblem where, you know, we made films under. Um, and then when the first feature came, I cast Brian again. Uh, in a supporting role in our first film, Cookies and Cream, which you saw. Yes. Um, and, re and reviewed, thankfully. Uh, and um, and then it was the pushing, it was the advertising of that film. Um, well, first of all, it was the fact that Brian was doing more than just acting in the movie. He was doing everything, helping us with, uh, uh, you know, with uh, uh, with filming and everything, because he's a jack of all trades. Yeah, the production, the production went through its share of struggles. Uh, especially, you know, first features will do that to you. Uh, films are hard enough to get made, you know, when you don't have any money to do it. They, they're even harder. So the the production of it went dragged on and on. There there was a it was a laborious process. Um, but I was invested. I was very much invested with this. I which would make a feature film how exciting, you know. So I I jumped in as much as I could to help out. Excellent. And that that could. Cookies and cream went, was you know turned it was a nightmare, um, and it, it went too long. It was sporadic. It, it was off and on because we couldn't afford to pay the actors, so they, we had to do it around everybody's work schedule. Mm -hmm. um, and it dragged on and on, and then everything. The pulse was crazy. It was all it was all tough. But Brian was there the whole time, and then so to transition, um, this would be a good segue. Uh, what happened is right after the film was over, we. We did Uptown, um, but Brian approached Uptown um, because he he approached it from a production standpoint uh, by seeing the mistakes that we that we made. Said, "Well, what if we didn't use light? What if we just put you know just use lit locations, uh, and we could shorten this production schedule down for this one?" And we and he found a way and we went from six months from shooting a film in six months to well, it was nine days. <laughs> I don't even think it was that. I think it was like five principal days, and then we did three pickup days. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that, that, that then turned into, that's where we started collaborating then the company, um, because the way we worked together, uh, together uh, was just, uh, it was just so uh, seamless in a way and so productive, uh, we felt. Um, and the marketing of it and the way that we pushed it uh, Brian was so instrumental in pushing those, uh, helping us push those first two films that we were like, well, let's let's partner up, <laughs> so, uh, let's just partner up. Let's do this. Uh, let's do this whole thing. 
uh, and then the partners at the time, uh, Jenny and Monica and Crystal at that time, uh, were all uh, supportive about it. And so we brought uh, Brian in, in with us, and uh, we've been working together ever since. Wow, it's funny uh, listening to it, listening to you guys talk about the uh, fits and spurts as far as uh, making cookies and cream. It actually, it it took me back to when I tried to make my own short film about ten years ago, and I, you know, I had no money. It's like I we were just friends trying to make a short film together, and basically it was just like one one day a month basically of shooting where we would just like like on weekends and i mean the continuity is a nightmare but i mean just just that whole idea of not really having enough money not being able to just do it the way it should be done and just trying to get something done um right yeah that's that's uh I think that I still tell people that I think that's a good method. If you don't have money to go continuous, uh, shoot continuously, I still think that weekend shoot and and in your case, even you were doing by the month. That 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 that's a little that's a, that's a little crazy. Yeah. But <laughs> I still recommend you have to do what it takes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I still recommend it if you can't do it any other way. Right. Switching gears slightly, I do want to come back to cookies and cream and uptown a bit, but uh who are some of your biggest influences as filmmakers? I, I, I'll go, go first, Brian. Oh. Well, there's one that uh, Prince that I know Prince and I have in common, or at least we did for for, for a while. I don't know if it's still stands, Prince, but uh, uh, I'm a big uh, Paul Thomas Anderson fan. Uh, and I was I've been thinking about this uh, over the last couple of days, doing different interviews. You know, uh, with some of those filmmakers that I really respect. Uh, P.T. Anderson is is is, uh, is very high on the list, and also uh, Ethan Cohen. Ethan Cohen. Uh, Ethan and uh, what's his brother's name? Joel and Ethan Cohen. Yeah. Um, the reason I love these guys is because, and I don't always love the films that they make, which is amazing. Because, of, but I respect them so much because they're always doing something different. Mm-hmm. They they make something, it either works or it doesn't work. For my case, anyway. And then they do go off and they do something completely different. And I, I think that's just amazing. And, uh, I mean, obviously their, their skill level is, is, is masterful because they each create, within their films, they create these wonderful, imaginative worlds, like very unique. <laughs> and their characters are just, are just stellar. They are just stellar. And for them to kind of just, just to bounce from whatever project to whatever project they have in their minds, you know, and... Uh, and just redo it, you know, from a, from a creative point of view, uh, I think it's amazing. So, yeah, definitely those two are at the top of my list. Mm. I, uh, I, early on, I was influenced by the mixture, the, the marriage of sound, uh, music, and image. That's really what got me into uh, paying more, paying closer attention to film uh, in general. Um, I was fascinated with the, the that marriage uh, and how... People edited their 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 the music to their images and vice versa, uh, and so it started to stick out for me really early on in films that I saw Spike doing, mm-hmm. uh, Spike Lee. Um, but it kicked in uh, also when I by the time I got around to watching the Demetrius um, do Forrest Gump, uh, I started paying attention. Uh, but when I saw Pulp Fiction, it was the perfect. It was as if 
like it was perfect. Like this guy, <laughs> yeah. I thought what I thought what Spike was doing with images and music was incredible, and it is. I mean, I could put some Spike theme uh, up against right next to the uh, Tarantino scene, and you'll you'll be you'll be misty eyed on, on both both accounts. Mm-hmm. But Pulp Fiction just took it to a whole other level for me, and I was stuck on on those movies. That I think. That's the first time that I was stuck on a movie, like watching it, thinking about it constantly. Um, and nothing had affected me like that to that point. Um, and then it was 2000, um, I'm sorry, it was, 19, it was 99. And this, this plethora of great stuff was coming out. You guys remember the late 99 when American Beauty dropped, mm-hmm. uh, being John Malkovich dropped, and Magnolia dropped, all at the same time, like in the same season. It yeah. was unreal. Uh, that really had a big effect on me. Uh, but by the time I saw, and, and American Beauty did it too. American Beauty did a great job at it. But, mm-hmm. but, but, but when I saw Magnolia, uh, that, that, that made me think about doing it myself. And that's how I started. Yeah. And it's funny that it's you mentioned after that. Well, and it's funny what that, was that? Oh. uh, it's, yeah, it's funny that you mentioned the, uh, combination of music and images, because I mean, that's something that, uh, when I when I watch certain filmmakers, that's the same kind of excitement I get. Uh, and it's the mm-hmm. way they com- combine those. Tarantino obviously is a great example. Paul Thomas Anderson. I've never really. It's interesting. I've never really heard Zemeckis in that way. But especially something like Forrest Gump, you can definitely tell that there's a very specific idea as far as using those specific songs in that context and then you have the orchestral music it it does just create it elevates that experience beyond what it could be mm-hmm. and uh yeah i agree and and uh, forrest gump if, with the mechanism i didn't you don't see that you don't see it done that way yeah mm-hmm. he, he had a soundtrack for forrest gump if you remember there was a whole i think it might have been a double disc it was you know? I think it's yeah disc. yeah <laughs> yeah for, for the soundtrack and i love forrest gump forrest gump is up there I, I, I put Forrest Gump is on my list of top ten screenplays ever, right? Um, along with Pulp Fiction, of course. Uh, those are and Malcolm So those all came out around <laughs> that same sort of. Yeah. Those are those are that's on my list. But my point is, um, uh, the 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 mixture of marriage. You can you can even see it if you if you uh you, there's a difference between um one of the differences between Brian's uh, features and my features. Are you are the the music? I think I'm heavy on music usage, um, and he's and he's and he's strong on on mood. So he'll set that mood, and if that mood needs to be that these two people are there trapped together, uh, you having this moment, whether it's an awkward moment or an uncomfortable moment, he's he's comfortable uh, with you being uncertain until you get into the story uh, with that. And if you and on mine, you'll notice that Cookies and Cream has a lot of music and it's tons of music. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and then my follow up feature, Ten Commandments of Chloe, is wall to wall music as well. Right. Uh, I don't know if you I don't know if you saw that. Yeah, uh, I did. That Brian. Yeah, I okay, have it. So you did see that. Yeah. Yeah. So you'll notice that you'll you'll, you'll notice that the filmmaking. You, know, you might find more filmmaking styles when it comes to a similar similarity when our filmmaking styles when we direct. Uh, when it comes to certain the way we get performances, uh, I think you can see uh, some similarities there. But in terms of the atmosphere, uh, you can tell that I'm I'm fascinated by music, and I use a lot of it. It's still not direct. 
Yeah. Well, let's well, let's talk about the films that you guys have done. Uh, I mean, the first time I uh, talked with you, Princeton, was when you emailed me to uh, review Cookies and Cream, and then it, it's funny. I I got I figured I was just going to get Cookies and Cream, and I also ended up getting <laughs> Carter and Uptown as well. So it's like, oh wow, three movies I get to review. Um, <laughs> But I want to talk about three? those. So we sent we sent you three. Yes. Yeah. You oh, send a awesome. Carter as well. So Carter and Uptown oh as well. We, we, we put you to work. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but while I've got you guys here, both Cookies and Cream and Uptown are they're still two of my favorite films that I've had a chance to screen that filmmakers have sent me. So I really appreciate it. And I it's wow. there are still movies that I remember fondly. Um, wow. How, how would you guys say that uh, you both have grown as, as filmmakers since then? Um, I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't think I have grown enough because this is, um, I, haven't, I haven't done enough. Um, I'm, still, I'm still learning and trying to get used to the things that I do know works, like uh, just in, in, in uh and conversing with actors and understanding an actor's perspective and and uh, and communicating with actors, um, I just want to do more of it. So I, I, I can't. I don't. I don't know. I, I wouldn't be able to define what I, how I've grown or what I've learned because I'm still growing and I'm still learning. I guess. Mm-hmm. I would say I, I think I have grown from 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 that. I think we both have. Um, we've grown from that, and you can you can just. You know, make it. You can just point to the basics: uh, production, uh, value, or quality of the image. Um, the uh, I think I think in my for me personally, um, I've gotten better at directing actors and working with actors. Um, and I think that uh, I did notice a, and for myself, I noticed a. Um, I say for both Brian and I definitely say for both Brian and I, there's a different. Uh, you can see uh, the, the growth in terms of visually between the first and second feature. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's, I think there's that. And then collectively as, 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 as producers, we definitely are thinking more about an audience. Um, oh, as and producers, then, we're definitely growing. Yeah. <laughs> or we have grown, I should say, yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, and, but I bring that into directing. Um, you know, I, I definitely keep, I'm That's aware of that in yeah. the directing. Uh, you can't really tell in my follow-up. My follow-up feature was not to be; uh, it was it was a personal thing, so I was not thinking about an audience really. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, I but from but my next one that I direct, I'm definitely thinking about an audience, and hopefully after that, after that, and I can say, uh, I'm you know, I'm assuming you're thinking that way as well, right, Brian? Or are you is that? Oh more yeah, producing? yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, just kind of taking responsibility as a as a business person, wanting to be able to please, uh, you know, an, an audience. You know, I want to be able to engage an audience, but not just terrify them, but uh, or or make them feel uncomfortable. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I want to engage them in all in all ways. So, uh, uh, yeah, I'm definitely feeling the same way you are. Yeah. Well, let's go ahead and uh, let's let's go ahead and get to the film that uh, you you guys are out promoting right now, uh, Alienated. 
One of the things that I liked the most about was how the sci-fi elements fit into the emotional themes of the story. And basically, where did the idea for the film come from? Oh, great question. Yeah, the uh, we kind of bounced things around, but 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 initially the uh, the seed came from uh, from an idea that popped in the principal's head. Um, as he told as he told me, in a nutshell, he basically posed the question: What would you do if you saw a UFO in the sky, uh, right outside of where, wherever you live, and um, how would you what would you do with that information? How would you tell whoever you're with? Um, or would you tell them? Um, and so that, that was, that was kind of the, the seed that I kind of took and kind of played with for, for a couple, a couple weeks, just kind of sat with it until I, until I realized, you know, there, there's, I, there's a story here. I, you know, there's something that, you know, you could play with. Um, I, uh, I, I had, I created the character to be a conspiracy theorist and suddenly that kind of excited me because that would give, his, you know, that would give, you know, his wife a, a, an opportunity to not be interested in what he has to say. If he's already, you know, <laughs> run the gamut on strange, you know, activities, you know. Um, so suddenly I, I found a really nice solid conflict that, that excited me and that I could play with. Yeah, that, that Brian took, Brian took it and ran with it. Um, the, we have a lot of ideas, Brian, um, that we have, we literally write them down, um, mm-hmm. and we'll write them down and we keep log line. Uh, at some point over the last few years, we started developing and keeping a log line list, uh, of things that would work because we were noticing that those, that sometimes the log line alone could sell a movie. Um, um, or, you know, or yeah, it could definitely can go, but sometimes the log line alone can sell a movie or get a project, uh, through uh, into production a lot of times um, if you're looking for finance, et cetera. So um, I, I was, there would just be a couple, a couple of times where I would be somewhere driving um, or out somewhere and just look up, you know, and I noticed how dark it was. And, uh, and uh, I think that maybe this particular log line popped into my head because it was just like, wow, you know what? If there were, if, there, if, if aliens existed, where I'm at right now, in the middle of nowhere, I should be. I should have seen something, you know, like, <laughs> like you know what I mean. <laughs> so I started the, the, you know, I've been sort of being skeptical about it, uh, and then I thought about, and then that sort of developed into. But what if you did see something, in the, you know, in the middle of nowhere, what do you do with that information? And I thought that I it was, and that's where the idea began uh, began um, to develop. I just thought it would be cool to do a sci-fi drama. I feel like Brian and I, that's, drama is uh, something that, that as directors and writers that we're comfortable with, uh, we've both done two. <laughs> so, um, we've both done two back-to-back dramas. So it's a space that, uh, especially when it comes to directing actors as well, that I'm comfortable working in and Brian's comfortable working in. And so I felt, wow, we can, we can sort of frame a nice drama around the tension of, of a guy seeing something and... Uh, and, and you know, introduce those those sci-fi elements, but make it be more about psychologically uh, the fear, or psychologically uh, the information of not wanting the person to think that you're crazy for saying that you saw, uh, you know, for telling you saw a UFO. That was pretty much it. It was really more about the tension. That what I was thinking early on. It was just a long line, but in my head, and I didn't articulate this to Brian, but in my head, 
it was more about the tension of 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 revealing what you saw and then the house reacting to it. Uh, and I always and I thought that the characters in my head were older, like an older man, fifties or sixties, had a wife, maybe he was probably a grandfather, uh, mm-hmm. had young grandchildren or something. Um, that, and that was it, you know, like maybe a retired guy or something like that. Um, but I didn't give that information to Brian, and I'm glad I didn't, <laughs> because uh, and he had to find the conflict within the story for himself. Uh, and in searching for the conflict, uh, you know, no story is there without a conflict. Um, he found, well, what what would make a guy not believe his wife? Um, what if he's a conspiracy theorist? <laughs> Theorist who cried who was like the boy who cried wolf all the time. Right. When I first when he first got when he first sent me the script, I didn't know what to expect. Uh, I when I finally you know I said which one do you want to do? I think this is this one really we can do this. We can do this for the amount of, the small amount of money we have. Uh, I'm really pushing for this one. But if you don't pick this one, uh, here's choose between these three and tell me which one that you want to that you want to staff. And that's the one he, he thought about it for a while. And then that's what he came back with. And he wrote it in uh, over the first draft over a weekend. He sent mm-hmm. me the first, the, the weekend, it was over one weekend. And I think we got off the phone on a Friday. And I think he sent me the thing on a Monday. And I was, my mouth was <laughs> um, And so I just immediately tore into it. And I read it. And I read it in one sitting. And I just, I just, it just, I flew through it. Um, and it was so raw and so honest that I did not, I did not want to tamper with the words at all. I did not really want to tamper with this. It was too honest. It was too raw, and it was too emotional for me to deal to to to, to, to mess with. Um, so forget that. Oh, what? Wow, the characters are, are younger than I thought they would be. Or oh, wow, I thought it would be more about the uh, the tension of the of a, of, a, of alien fighting. It was too. It was just too juicy to tamper with. Uh, and so I just wanted to get out of the way and just let it, you know, hey, this is, let's go with this right here. This is, this is, this is pure, you know? Yeah, and it's funny because of the fact that, I mean, I, I do think the age that the characters are at in that movie is absolutely perfect. I mean, yeah, you can sort of see it being, you know, an older guy who, you know, sees something in the sky, but it's important that, you know, these two you know, yeah, they've been married for a few years, but they're not that old yet. And then more importantly, the fact that he is a conspiracy theorist, and that, I've seen the movie twice now, and it didn't even occur to me just how important that should be uh-huh. as part of that character and part of why it would be difficult for his wife to to believe him. And, right. and how important that is as far as that dynamic. So it's uh-huh. it's really great to listen to you guys talk about that and talk about how the the basic idea of it and then just how it grew from there. Right. He uh, took it. He took it and he took it and he had something else to say with it. And uh, you don't want to, you know, <laughs> when you got a, a piece that you really like and you think is really great, you just don't want to tamper with it too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we, we had a couple of adjustments here and there. But the core of it was still there, intact, and I didn't. I really didn't want to, you know. That's Brian's one of those writers where you just want to, you want to get as much of what's on the page into the movie as possible, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. 
Well, yeah, obviously I connected. I, you know, once I, once I got going, you know, Princeton, I, I, I just connected that story, you know. Yeah. And like you say, it, it did pour. It just poured out, yeah. Well, I was wondering if there was a, uh, and this is for you, Brian, as the writer-director, is there, was there a level of the film that was sort of autobiographical? Because the, the scene that I w- am thinking of in particular was the, I, the scene where... Uh, Nate has done this painting, but he was planning on giving it to a friend who's a widow, and Paige calls him out about it, and he gets defensive about it, and I and there's this back and forth where, it's like, Nate is yeah. throwing back at her that well, she doesn't really, you haven't really taken an interest in my my work. Is there a level of identification to that? Uh, in, a, in a broad sense, there is. Um, specifically with that scene, uh, it, it's it's uh, maybe just sprinkled in, you know, uh, on a on a on a on a broader sense as far as the film goes. It, uh, much of it is indirectly autobiographical, uh, in that it's me. Uh, often, it's me being too close to another relationship. Uh, another uh, a toxic relationship, or there there have been a few, you know, um, and so I was able to perceive how I, I'm I'm fascinated by human behavior, by human psychology. So when I see a conflict, of course, I'm going to try to pick it apart and 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 study it and see that. So when I see different people in my life going through different things, I you know I pay attention. I'm just interested, and and I was able to kind of you know morph a lot of these. Uh, uh, situations or, or uh, you know, behaviors and 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 general conflict together into this into the story. So it's kind of a it's a wildly mixed bag because there, there there are you know I do have my own feelings that are sprinkled in there and, and things that I've personally gone through, uh, but it's it's much more. I think that's in it just you know that helps with the authenticity of of it or. Of anything that you write, I think that you need to put something of yourself in, into it mm-hmm. um, in order for it to be real. You know, I. I um, but largely, it's it's more indirect, indirect influences, and it's comprehensive. Yeah. Right. Yeah. One. Uh, keeping on with the uh, film for a bit, one of the things that I know that Princeton, when you first emailed me about the film that you made a point mentioning that uh, one of the stars of the film is the late Taylor Negron. Uh, this was actually his last film that he did before he passed away. How did you guys... Um, what was it like working with him, and how did you guys get him for the film? We, we, uh, we were introduced to him through uh, a friend, a friend of, of a friend, and then at that party... Um, there were other people there, and all of us became friends. So Taylor was at that party, you know. <laughs> so it just like it was like a birthday party that I was invited to. I met Taylor, but then I met a bunch of other people who are still friends of mine to this day. Um, and Taylor was one of one of one of them. Um, and we we did not talk about alienated because alienated didn't exist. <laughs> um, we were talking about. In fact, it was a short film. Uh, that one of the people, one of my friends, my friend John Mark that I met there, 
was working on Tales Within It, and they were co-writing it together, and they wanted to talk to me about producing it, and, you know, I was giving my notes and so forth. That never materialized, and then we thought about Brian. Uh, we thought about um, him for another film Brian wrote, and that didn't materialize because uh, it got out of control financially. Uh, so we so we made him the offer, an offer for Alienated, and he and he uh, read the script first. So it wasn't an automatic at all. He's a, he's a professional. He read the script first, and he connected to the script, uh, and uh, he he accepted, and we were we were very humble. Uh, and Brian Brian can you want to talk about how what it was like working with him? Oh yeah, um, it was uh, it was all kinds of uh, it was a it was a wild experience. And all kinds of things, you know, emotions into one because we didn't work with him for too long altogether. Um, we shot a single day with him, and and I personally met him just the day before uh, when we we had a we had a we had a, a meeting. He invited us for breakfast at his at his apartment. Uh, Princeton George Cat, uh, who plays uh, who plays Nate, the husband who witnesses the two of them. And myself, so it was the four of us, and we were just kind of getting to know each other, and we did a little bit of rehearsing that day also. Um, and so, and then we were off and running, and the next morning we, we picked him up uh, from his apartment, and, uh, you know, it, 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 was a, it, it began as a very strange, you know, surreal experience, because here's this uh, veteran actor who comes, we're picking up, you know, and we're, this is our last shooting day. We're picking him up. We're going to drive him to the location. He comes out with a plate of eggs or something that he's eating. So this tells you how eccentric <laughs> this guy is. He is in his own world, you know, in, in a certain respect. And uh, and he's comfortable with himself. He, you know, he wants to have breakfast in the car. So he's going to have breakfast in the car, you know. <laughs> there's, there's, an image, there's an image of Ryan holding the breakfast, too, because I think Taylor forgot something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we took a picture. He's standing there holding uh, Taylor's breakfast plate of uh, eggs or whatever as Taylor runs into the, his apartment uh, to grab something. <laughs> that tells you right there how trusting this guy is. You know, yeah. after just a single, you know, we met for like two, three hours the day before, and then fast forward to a few hours into shooting, and he's the complete. He's not an eccentric at all. He's a human being. He's yeah. he's sitting on our, he's sitting on the living room floor eating potato chips or, or whatever and and talking with everybody and, and and you know I don't whatever the discussion wherever the discussion leads and he's so normal and down to earth and interested in people and uh, and he's sharing his own stories he's incredibly he was incredibly funny mm-hmm. he had a million stories and and he and he could just watch them at any particular time and they weren't necessarily long stories he just had interesting things to say, and right. he was just was fun to have on set. Uh, <laughs> but it, it, the, the experience ran the gamut, you know, because I was I was very much intimidated with him, with, with his reputation, not sure how to direct him as we began, and then, but then also I became very comfortable with him by the end of our long day because of how humble he was mm-hmm. and how supportive he was of of not only the material, which apparently he really loved, he really got the material, but he was receptive of me as a person and as a director. He was very interested in what my vision, what I, what I wanted, what I expected, you know, and, you know, how I wanted him to, 
how I saw his character and all of these questions that, that actors just have in general, he was very much open to that. Um, so it was just an incredible experience that, um, that, that yeah, there, it, was, it was all kinds of stuff. It was, it was very, you know, it was very short-lived. I mean, that was, that was the overwhelming, that's the overwhelming feeling about it. I, I would have loved to work with him more. I would have loved to just sit with him and talk with him more. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, his, his performance in his really... Is, I mean, all three of the performances in the movie are really great. Uh, his... I, I, I watched the movie again this past week just to re-familiarize myself with it before uh, we record this, and I, I, remembered, I remembered how good it was, but I forgot how distinct it was and how and more importantly just how important it was to the film and the fact that it's like here's this guy i mean it it sort of feels like you know it it's funny i i uh i happen to read the uh and i know you posted on the uh alienated facebook page the review the boston globe gave it mm-hmm. gave the movie oh uh, yeah yeah and uh you know, it's like they, they bring up the possibility of, well, you know, maybe this guy is, you know, maybe this guy is one of the aliens or something like that. And it's like, that's something that sort of came to mind when I was watching it again. But more importantly, this guy is, even if he's not, this guy is just basically somebody who's going to call Nate Allen as bullshit. It just uh-huh. really yeah. understands this guy better than he even really understands himself. That is yeah, that's yeah, the, exactly. the Boston Globe is that that review is the most tickling thing. Man, they 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 love it, man. They they act like they love it for a film for a film that they gave a low rating to. They really died. They really went into it. And, and it, it everything everything Brian was suddenly going for, they got they got it. Oh you yeah, know? I they know. Were supposed to feel frustrated. <laughs> Uh, they were supposed to, you know, they were supposed to be frustrated with the characters. Yes, it's crazy that Nate wants to argue with his wife more than save the world. That's great, you know, or yeah. he's thinking about that more. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, that, I'm glad you brought up that that Boston uh, that Boston Globe piece. I mean, I, they, I don't know, man. That I, I'm, it's I'm clear. The, go ahead. It's very, it's very clear. It's so, it's very interesting because it's clear that that critic was invested in the film, you know, and, and it seems like he was really much drawn into the characters to the point where he despises the characters. <laughs> and that's the level of engagement. And, and then, so, I, I mean, uh, we're, we're very grateful that, that he was able to review he, he reviewed us very respectfully. You yeah. know, he, he didn't like the film as a whole. He re, his review was very respectful. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, we, we pull out this idea that he, he, was, he was very much engaged because of how he seems to really not like the position that we put him in, which was very, very close to this toxic relationship. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's, pissed, he's pissed that Brian goes, oh, how dare you do that? I, wasn't, I, I didn't mean to see that. That, that hurts. That, that touched the nerve. Yeah, that was the funniest. I wasn't supposed to see that. Yeah, that was the funniest thing about that review, where it's like, uh, you did get the point of the movie, <laughs> Even if you won't admit that you got the point of the movie, <laughs> mm-hmm. but uh, yeah. Well, I mean, let's okay. Oh, well, let's... Back, oh, I was going to say, going back to to Taylor and his performance, I I, I I did some reviewing of Taylor's work, 
and um, and I, I I found that he was so good at um, at, at being a character in a, in a in a movie, and and somehow he's able to stand out, you know. But he's also able to fit in, so he's able to fit into whatever background it it, it is, um, and and which is the which is the role of an actor. An actor is supposed to fit into a world, you know, and then beyond that, it, it, that 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 actor is supposed to be relatable within whatever situation is is, uh, is given. And mm-hmm. Silver found a way. He always did this. He always. Which is amazing. That, that as, an, as an actor, you're not supposed to stand out. Uh, as a you know, just, just as a general actor, a background actor. And then on top of that, he always he offered something special to the role, something that that was fresh and and, and unique and, and 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 alive. And so he had this dual purpose in everything that I've seen him in. It's just outstanding, and and I feel like. Now I feel like I mean I felt that we were just very blessed to have him in in to have him in our film and but now I, I, I think that I think that he brought just a tremendous skill wherever his skill comes came from I think he brought that because he he was the perfect actor for this role uh, playing this perfect ambiguity. You know, you bring up the idea: is he from an outer? Is he outer worldly? Uh, you know, or is he down to earth? And and, and and Taylor understood that that was a question. That that is a question in the film, and he plays it so so perfectly. Um, I just think there's there's so there's so much skill in, in this man. I think that he's underrated as an actor, as a performer. Yeah. Well, one of the well part of the reason that we're talking right now is the film has uh, received a limited release. It's currently uh, released in Boston, uh, and then it goes on video on demand next week, I believe, if I'm correct, right? That's correct. Uh, we released on video on demand on March 31st. And it got me thinking about uh, one of the questions I wanted to ask you guys, because I mean, you know, based on what I know of you guys, you guys are very involved in a lot of the different aspects of the production uh, with each film that you do, um, it seems like it would be easier to get a film like this out in front of an audience because of the internet, because of um, places like YouTube and Vimeo. Uh, but is it, so is it easier to do that? And what is the, how has the internet changed the expectations for what success is with a film? in terms of distribution? It is now easier to uh, distribute a movie than it ever, ever, ever in history. Uh, it is now easier to get a film out uh, and distribute it multiple places and widely than ever before. Uh, the, the trick is getting people, cutting through the noise, getting people and directing them to there, mm-hmm. uh, to those outlets. That's the trick. Um, and so, yes, it's easy to distribute everywhere now, and, and, and fairly inexpensive. Um, but at the same time, it is very difficult to cut through the noise and direct their attention there to go be customers uh, and down, download and rent the film. Um, and so there, that's why things that have been happening with Alienated um, have raised the visibility of the film. 
Um, and so, but to answer your question, definitely, it is it is it is really easy to do uh, to to distribute these things digitally now. The the the, the, the biggest um, the the most important aspect of our release is not DVD and it's not even the theaters. It's the VOD. Um, you know, the video on demand channels and outlets are the most important thing for the release. Um, so these other things that you do are just to raise the awareness of that video on demand release. Oh yeah. Um, what what would you say? What would you say is? I mean, obviously, the idea of getting a movie in theaters nowadays, especially a film as uh, small as Alienated, is is it, it feels like it's still kind of Herculean effort to get that d- accomplished, especially <laughs> since I mean we're we're talking we talked earlier uh, about the fact that you guys are basically opening against Batman versus Superman for lack of a better term. <laughs> so because um, we're crazy, because we're crazy, right? <laughs> that's like, that's <laughs> Who would ever open a movie on the same day uh, in any theater? Uh, as Batman versus Superman. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, go ahead. I'm, I'm just joking. Oh yeah, but um, like, what what is sort of the what what is sort of the plat what is considered successful as far as um in your mind as far as getting as far as getting the exposure out for the film? What what is six fat successful? Is there a certain amount of uh, Views is there a certain amount? Uh, basically, like as far as getting the audience that you want, what is considered successful with a movie like this? Um, the, the the theatrical stuff is just to promote your video and demand release. Mm-hmm. That's really all it is. So it's definitely not the theater turnout. Um, we turn, we opened in New York on the nineteenth. Uh, that was a great screening. Uh, and then we opened here in Boston yesterday, um, and we'll be here for a week. Uh, and then it goes to D.C. in April on the 14th, uh, and then L.A. on the 9th, on the uh, 16th of April. Um, and this is what you do to sort of draw awareness to the fact that your film is available on video on demand, uh, iTunes, Amazon, mm-hmm. and all these things. You don't you don't get outlets. Um, uh, like the Boston Globe, like the Boston Herald, like LA Times, um, et cetera, to write um, pieces when your video on demand release, they write, they, they mention it because it was in theaters. <laughs> yeah. You know? Uh, so that's what it is. It's just good marketing. Film festivals are the same, believe it or not, Brian. Uh, in the grand scheme of things, film festivals are just a part of your marketing plan. Um and they're, they're, but they're, but that's, that, that, that doesn't have to be all that they are. In our case, they, they were a test screening for us. We used them as test screenings. We used them to engage uh, audiences. We heard back from people. We got feedback. We learned what worked and so forth. So those are great tools to have in film festivals. But all of the theatrical screenings that we've had and continue to have are all based to uh, based on getting the eyes on the video on demand, um, downloads, etc. So I would say that the success is um, the, the success in our minds would be uh, the, 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 the the video on demand users, 
uh, if they go to iTunes, if they go to uh, Amazon, and all of this other stuff that we've been doing, and all the promotions and all the marketing uh, was a success was a successful um, effort. And I'd like to I'd like to add to that um, my my perception, and I and I think we've kind of had some within our company. Our company is owned by six different six people, one way or another, productions and. Um, in various, you know, discussions that we've had, um, I think that we've already reached a certain level of success, which is which is absolutely amazing. Um, this is, this film represents our first film being released wide on video on demand, um, mm-hmm. and so we've hit a ma- as a company we've hit a major major milestone um, that proves that all of these other things that we have been doing they they're building up to something. We're on the right course, you know, what, what we're doing as a company is working. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we have, you know, we have reached a certain level of success that whatever we end up doing on video on demand is, is just a topping, you know, it's just, you know, like, this is fantastic already. And right, we, right. You know, we, a lot of us have seen these, you know, films with, with an audience, and we're, we're experiencing, you know, uh, the success is when you're in an audience watching your film. With a, an audience that's engaged, that's laughing throughout the film, it's it's huge. So we've all kind of expressed this kind of success already. I, I uh, that's a great point. He's, he's been, Brian Brian is actually absolutely right. Uh, that is, we already feel like we hit it, mm-hmm. um, and you know that that has been going. It's been it's just been one great success after another from from you know opening up with those awards at the Chain Film Festival. So this, Begin. It just started. It started this um, this snowball, and it just grew. And it was sort of a tidal wave, and it grew, grew, grew to uh, the deal with Gravitas Ventures for distribution to be put in over a hundred million homes. Um, <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that was we we that was we had already knocked that out, and that we we celebrated that. Okay, <laughs> um, yeah, that that was already there, and then we got our we sold our foreign rights to Tomcat um, Films. Um, a, a UK-based company that's taking it to Cannes uh, and they're making foreign sales by territory out there. So those things, um, you know, two different distribution deals. The third one on the table now that we should be wrapping up soon for DVD and then the, the theatrical release. This is icing on the cake already. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you're absolutely right, uh, Brian. I want to make and sure. And it's all, it's all still, it's all an experiment. We're, we're still, we're, we're yet to figure out how far our, our, our little film can go. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're still we, we we don't have expectations, you know. We have certain certain goals, maybe, but we're still wide. We're open because we don't know what to expect. So in that respect, we can't we can't fully answer your question, Brian. You know, <laughs> because we just don't know. All we can do is 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 is, uh, is continue doing what we're doing and push as hard as we can. I, yeah, I can't say I can't say that we we I I, I feel like we picked a lot. This is the first time I've said it uh, in any press. Uh, publicly, but yeah, I, I feel like we picked. I told this. I told my partner. I have a conversation with my partner Sean the other day. We definitely picked the lock. Uh, you pick a lock. This new digital landscape is a is a tricky landscape. Which you know, piggyback off your question, Brian. Uh, it's a tricky landscape. It was different than DVD when DVD was hot, right? Yeah. Um, DVD. DVD. That's when you. That's the first two films that you um, that you revealed for us um, were both picked up for DVD deal. And so that's when DVD was still healthy. Um, DVD did crash, 
it began crash, uh, crashing in 2009. Um, in 2010, by 2010, it was dead. Uh, so the, it began in 2009. Uh, but, but, but so we got our deal for the DVD deals uh, for Uptown and Cookies in 2009. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then it, so we, we were there right before that, that, that thing died. Uh, we got in and then it sort of crashed by the end of 2010. So figuring out what the new formula is for getting your work seen has taken years. And we've done a bunch of work uh, in between that. Uh, some stuff did well, some stuff did better than others. Um, and we, you know, we work on other projects or larger projects and so forth. But the whole, the whole uh, process has been picking the lock, picking the lock, mm-hmm. picking the lock. What is the, how do you do this? How do you get through? And, so, and it's not always just about the film. Uh, it's not only just about the film itself. It's usually, uh, about, uh, the business, um, period. How do you get it seen? Who do you talk to? What distributors are good to go with? What festivals are good? Do you need it to play at Sundance? Oh, you don't? Oh, okay, that's great. Um, and, uh, yeah, to add to that, and Brian has interest from agents now. He's getting agent calls, you know, um, for this. So this is, we definitely, we hit a home run, we feel like, you know. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. No, I mean, it definitely, it definitely sounds like, and based on what you guys were saying, I would definitely consider it a success. I mean, I, I hope it does well on VOD. I hope it... I you know hopefully this will uh, this will help raise the exposure. Um, I mean mm-hmm. one of the one of the things I've loved about getting uh, films such as yours and Brian's over the years is the fact that it, it feels like maybe if if I can help you know by through my words to help get the word out on some of these films that you know most people are not going to hear about for one reason right. or another, then you know maybe that'll help them get like their next film off the ground or get their and so on and so forth and so yeah i mean i would i would definitely say you guys have already tasted a great deal of success with alienated i mean i'm definitely looking forward to seeing what you guys have next thank you you're a big part of that but you're a big part of that i was telling uh, brian uh brian uh before you before we connected your call uh brian scuttle and i we're having a conversation about, and I, I, I think I, I revealed to him news that he didn't know, which was uh, that Sonic Cinema, he was the first to review Alienate. Um, oh, yeah. got, <laughs> before it got started. I mean, you, you, you started the fire. You were the very first <laughs> review we got before, before any of this stuff. Any of this, this, believe me, this stuff was not in sight, okay? Yeah. <laughs> All this stuff that's happening now, that stuff happened after the fact. That happened later. But early on, it was a quiet, quiet sort of process, um, and you were you were the first to to, to begin writing about it, um, and then you shared it, and then you included it in some of your lists at the end of the year, which I always look forward to. Um, and so that your uh, your help and, and people like you uh, that write and, and even care and have an interest in watching these little things uh, before, not knowing if they're going to take off or not, just out of interest is a huge help. So we couldn't do it without you guys. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, thank you for, it, yeah. yeah, I mean, thank you for, you know, giving me the chance to watch it. I mean, I, that's one of the things that I always love about when I get emails such as your guys is basically the fact that it's like, I feel like I'm gaining something by being able to watch these movies, even if I don't love it as much as I did alienate or cookies and cream or uptown. I mean, 
I still feel like I'm gaining something as a fan of movies because okay. I wouldn't necessarily get a chance to see these movies otherwise, or I wouldn't necessarily know where to look for them. So, I mean, it's something that it adds to me as not just a film goer, as an individual. And so, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm absolutely, I'm, I'm grateful for you guys for including me in this process of getting, getting the film out there. Absolutely. Oh, very cool, yeah. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I think that's, that's pretty much all I have as far as, uh, as, far as our, our talk. I think we covered quite a few topics, and, I mean, we definitely got a lot of uh, information to work with. So uh, before, before, we, before we sign off officially... Um, if one of you wants to go through uh, the series of where when uh, Alienated starts the out, plugs. yeah, the, <laughs> the plug gratuitous one. plug at the end of the interview, <laughs> <laughs> the plug section. We're uh, we're if you're in Boston, um, we're playing the Somerville Theater as we speak. Uh, that's in uh, Somerville, Massachusetts, which is the downtown. It's Boston, um, David Square. Uh, and it's, uh, it's a 55 David Square. We're playing every night at 7 p.m. Um, um, till the 31st. Uh, our VOD release is the 31st, uh, but you can order pre-order on iTunes. We encourage everybody to pre-order on iTunes now. That really helps our visibility. Um, so pre-order on iTunes. You can search it. You'll put the name in. You just scroll right down and see it. Or any links that are provided on our social media, you can look for too. Um, to that pre-order, but we're released everywhere. It'll be on thirty on the thirty-first, um, and then the movie goes theatrically, continues theatrically uh, in DC uh, on April the fourteenth, uh, in LA April the sixteenth. Um, then uh, yeah, that's it. And the last, I guess, the last little tidbit is is you can get more. You can find more information, including um, our trailer and specific theaters to these other cities cool. on our website, uh, uh, which is www.alienatedmovie.net. Uh, and we're also represented on Facebook. You can find us on Facebook under Alienated Movie. Okay, well, uh, Princeton Holt and Brian Ackley, thank you very much. And this has definitely been a lot of fun. We had a blast. This has been, yeah, this has been. This is, uh, I mean, it, 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 you, I don't know how, however long it's, uh, this has gone on, but uh, you can tell by the length of our conversation here how much fun this has been. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm proud to have popped uh, Sonic Cinema's uh, inter- interview podcast, Cherry. <laughs> so we're, <laughs> yeah. we're proud to be the first here, and hopefully... Honored, man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and hopefully, uh, it, you know, other people uh, catch on and, and, and join the conversation as well going forward. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Well, that does it to the, for this episode of the Sonic Cinema Podcast. Thank you again to Princeton and Brian for their time and taking the time out to talk with me about a movie that they that meant a lot to them and really has taken off in a way that few filmmakers are really lucky to have uh, when they don't have multi-million dollar budgets or uh, distribution 
going going for them. It's very difficult to get these types of movies out there. So the fact that they've been able to do so in a way that has given them a lot of success and a lot of exposure is really gratifying to see, especially as somebody who's been a fan of theirs over the years. Uh, thank you very much, guys. It was a great conversation. I absolutely loved it. Uh, there are some outtakes that I will probably consider uh, posting just for fun. Uh, it's part of a conversation we had before we really got into the interview. Uh, so that's it for this episode of the Sonic Cinema Podcast. This is Brian Scuttle. Thank you very much, and I will talk to you later. Thank you.